seated, everyone. Before we get started, we're going to have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day you've given us and the blessings in it. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us to gather together and for bringing us safely here, Father. We thank you for the fellowship, and we pray that you be with us as we go through the Bible, we study your word, and we we learn more about it, and we pray that we get out of it the things that you would have us see, Father, and that we can apply it to our lives. We also pray, Father, that we can bring this to others around us in the world, that they can see you as well, Father. We pray that you continue to guide us and direct us, and be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. So glad to have you all back here tonight. And as usual, we're going to use our Bibles because that's what we do if we want to know what God wants us to know about him. Um, So I hope you have one tonight. If not, we have some in the pews. We've been continuing our study on Christian fellowship. And uh, this week's lesson is entitled, why am I holding this right here? It's entitled, Using to Build Fellowship. Our previous study continuing our focus on the application side of our life together. You know, a lot of times we we study the Bible, we study lessons or or scripture, and we often focus on the doctrinal side of scripture, and we should. I'm not saying that we should not, Uh, but we also need to learn how to apply what the scriptures say uh, in our lives. We've done this by reserving how the scriptures are filled with exhortations, which taken to heart will nurture fellowship in the local church. And I mention that because sometimes we'll have someone speak to us from the pulpit or from right here or things that are said within the class setting or even with one another individually, and we hear it, but we don't listen to comprehend. We, We hear a sound, but we don't really listen to it and pay attention to see what's going on. We often treat the Bible that way, and, and we shouldn't. We notice one such example, the epistle in the epistle of James, where we found admonitions to uh, avoid certain things in order for us to have the proper fellowship with one another, but more, most importantly with God. We were told to avoid all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, partiality, misuse of the tongue, selfishness, speaking evil of one another, and then we were told what to do by viewing the challenges as opportunities. James tells us to count it all joy when we fall and we uh, fall into various trials and tribulations. We talked about that we should pray for wisdom and that the reason why sometimes we don't pray for wisdom is because we know that God is going to give it to us. The scripture even tells us that. He's going to give it to us without a problem. Uh, he's gonna ma- we, we should maintain a proper perspective about our situations, uh, be swift to hear, be slow to speak, slow to wrath. I think we all can take ammunition from that, admonition from that, and learn something from it. We need to practice pure and undefiled religion, demonstrate wisdom by our conduct, pray for one another, and restore the error. And all that came out of James. And the scriptures teach not only by precept, but also by example. In the example of the early church provides insight into ways fellowship can be strengthened. One such example is in the uh, use of their home. <clears throat> now, I've been saying the entire time in these two 
months or so that we've been studying this that, you know, fellowship is so much more than just eating together. But there's always a great time when we sit down and share a meal with one another. You know, um, before we get into the lesson, I was thinking about this on Sunday as we were all uh, those that stayed for the potluck. It was great to see different people sitting with different people. You know, rather than just sitting with the same folks you see and, and, and talk with every day, it was great to see a good mix of people just sitting down, talking, getting to know one another. Uh, we, we also shared that for those that were able to attend the, the uh, Speed Fellowship, I'm telling you, that was a lot of laughing all that night. Getting to know one another, all the different questions that, that Tony and Nikki came up with for us to ask one another, uh, it was great. It was good. I, I'm looking at you now, thinking about the things we talked about uh, there, brother, and it's, it was a wonderful time, me and, me and you as well, that to get to know um, our brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing our home with one another is a great way to do that. So I believe that studying the New Testament church, <coughs> of the New Testament church, shows that their success in both evangelism and in building fellowship was partly due to their use of the home. So let's turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And at any time, if you have any comments, please do not hesitate. The use of the home by the early church. Homes were used with much frequency. The church of Jerusalem, especially in times of persecution. Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 41. (coughs) Excuse me. It says there... Acts chapter 5, verse 41 and 42. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy worthy to suffer dishonor for uh, the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. And then skip over to chapter 12 of the same book. Verses 5 and verse 12. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. In verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Uh, It's always, even as a child, remember this, this story here, is that, a lot of times we do get together with one another, and uh, we do pray. Last night in the men's Bible class, uh, which was, was a great turnout, and I think we, in, in, in the hour that we spent with one another, was very uplifting and encouragement, encouraging. Um, but there were a lot of prayers that were asked for, and, and uh, I know that God is so awesome and so powerful, but he's not so big that he can't hear what we have to say here. And he wants us to talk to uh, um, uh, Cameron or Shay, as y'all know. Shay was reminding us that, you know, God wants us to talk to him. Um, I believe, Russ, you were mentioning last night that we should just talk to him. Just talk to him. We don't have to have something so formal. And I think sometimes, especially when I was a child, I remember, you know, all those brothers would get up and they would have all these, these words. And they, it was, they were so big. I mean, the words that they were using and flowery. And I was like, I will never be able to pray that way. And I'm thankful that hopefully I've grown to the point in, in spiritual maturity to understand that God just wants us to talk to him. 
my children. I don't need them to be smarter than me today when they're talking to me because you know my kids are. They know words that I don't know. Just talk to me so I can understand. It's not that God doesn't understand. He just wants us to come to him. So sometimes when we get together uh, here in the, in the building or someone's house, we are praying. But what we need to make sure that we understand is that when we are praying and we're petitioning the Lord, we should pray, as the scripture says, as if it's already been answered, that God has already given. Because in this, uh, Acts chapter 12, they were praying for him. And here he is knocking at the gate. And Rhoda goes to the gate. And she doesn't even open the gate. She's so excited to see him and goes back and tells the adults. And they're like, be quiet, we're praying. Well, God has already answered the prayer. So, again, as we spoke about last week, how much more... I know the scripture says uh, the fervent prayer of a righteous man develops much. How much more when more righteous people are praying to the Lord together in someone's home where it's a little bit more intimate? Aquila and Priscilla often hosted the church in their home. Look at Romans 16. Romans 16. I'll be reading uh, verses 3 through 5. Greek Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Apatnitus, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, Apatnitus, or Apatnitus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. And then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, which is one verse there, verse 9, <laughs> 19. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, or Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Um, many congregations of the Lord's body started out in homes. I, I know a lot of you may have grown up in that era where a lot of the the congregations started out in a home. When you go on different websites for different congregations and, and you look at their history, uh, it will show even a, a picture maybe of the first house, uh, the first house or the first place where worship was being held. And sometimes it was with maybe two or three families that grew and they grew out of that house and they went somewhere else until they grew into maybe the present building that they're in. Houses and homes are also a great place to worship when you don't have a place to go and worship, uh, a designated place, or you can't get there. I know when we were living in Okinawa, um, we uh, when September 11 happened, we actually were already stuck on base because there was a typhoon um, that was hitting Okinawa, and it hit it three times. It came from the south, southwest, across the south part of the island, went on to the top north part of the island, actually went around the island, and then came back down. And as just before it hit the base, September 11 happened. Then it hit the base, came back around, and then hit the base again. So we were already stuck on base. Then when that happened, we couldn't go anywhere. Uh, they were like, nope. Especially Air Force members, you were not allowed to leave the base. Well, fortunately, there were many members that lived on base, and, and there was a, a chief 
a master within our congregation uh, who op opened his house for us to worship at. He's a chief, so he had a big house. And uh, we were able to move uh, his uh, the, their couches and everything. And uh, I think it may have been five, six families that at, for about three or four weeks that met in their home. It was great. We, we worshiped together. I mean, the singing was wonderful. Each of us brothers were able to take turns to, to speak, and we were doing that anyway because we didn't have a, a preacher within our current, a full-time preacher in our congregation. So that was great. We did, we gave, and all we did was the money just was kept until we were able to go back on phase, you know, and give it, um, turn it into treasury at, at, um, within that church building. Um, and then we ate after the fact, and we sat around and got to know each other more. So, again, using your home can be a little bit more intimate. Another example is, is Philemon. Turn over to Philemon. It's only one chapter, one and two. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. <laughs> Paul utilized homes. I'm going to write he talked about. Paul a prisoner for Christ Jesus, Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. You you have to continue to go on about Philemon to find out how, how well he was in the church. There was something that Paul needed to talk to him about, uh, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Paul utilized homes in his ministry, both in Ephesus and in Rome. So in Acts 20, 17 to 21, and Acts 28, 30 to 31 will show us that. But with time, the use of the home began to decline. So the early church did use the home a lot, but as I just said, with time, the home began to decline, the use of the home. We know that the church buildings began to be built as early as the second century. When Constantine, the emperor of Rome, was converted, converted in 312 AD, he designated Christianity the official religion of the empire. He gave many of the pagan temples to the Christians to use as meeting places. Before long, people began to view the building as the church. Homes were not used as much as before. Most religious activity began to be centered around the building. Such is the case today, where most religious activity takes place at the church building. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but because of that, we don't use the home much. Not as much as it used to be. And I know even uh, at my tender young age, um, I'm younger than Russ, so I can say that. Uh, I, I remember, I mean, we had worship service on Sunday morning, Sunday evening. The congregation I, I, was, uh, I grew up in the midst of, um, for a long time, Tuesday night was our midweek Bible study, which wasn't in the middle of the week, but still, it was Tuesday. And we met. And then we would meet either on Thursday night or Friday night in someone's home. I think I know um, Shay and I were just talking about something on, on a different matter, but I was saying some congregations, and many of you all have been either a part of a congregation, and I don't know if it has been done here in the past, but we had, they call them care groups or zones or I don't know, whatever name you want to call it, but you take a map of the city and you break it out in zones, and whoever lives in that area, uh, you all were part of that zone. And the zone leader would, would rotate like every quarter. And what it was was to get people who lived in that area to get together uh, on a 
however how much they wanted to, either on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, to get together and go and eat, but to be able to spend time with one another. And I know in some congregations, the zones, it really didn't matter, like the care groups were, here are a bunch of names, we're going to put them in the hat, and we're going to pull out, we have this many families, so we're going to pull, we're going to divide them equally, and now this quarter, or these next six months, that's what it was, these next six months, you all will be this care group, whatever name the care group was. And so those folks would spend six months really getting to know one another, and they always seem like, just as we're like, just getting there, getting to that point where I really know this person, I want to spend more time with them, we would switch to the care groups. And an issue that can come up about that is, well, I'm not in your care group anymore, so I don't care about you anymore. And, and that's not what the elders were getting at. They just wanted folks to get to know each other more. And so um, that, that was a great help. But I remember as a, a child, we were in a zone group, and we, every time we got together, it was for Bible study. And we studied. We studied the Bible. We studied a lot of Jewel Miller film strips. Um, Russ, that's, it goes in the... Because <laughs> I know we have an old film strip. Uh, it reminded me of that in the youth, in the youth room. I was like, yeah, I remember that, and I remember getting to know some of those older brothers and sisters uh, more than I than I did um, when I didn't when I wasn't with them. Um, it's it's I suspect that this subtle shift of activity away from the home to the church building contributed to a decline of fellowship among many Christians. So bef- before we go on, I, I mean, I'm just really interested in what you're thinking about this subject right here using the home uh, to build our fellowship. And the things I just talked about, some of you all have grown up and knowing that the home was used a whole lot more than it is now. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yes, sir. Right, so you're saying you grew up, loved having worship, Bible studies in your home, and and with the small groups, you tend to know, um, learn more about one another. I'm repeating this for the sake of those that can't hear on the on the screen. <clears throat> um, was it sometimes hard to get together when you were when you were younger? I mean, did you see that that factor there? Was it a choice to just do it in home, or did you all just did not want to go to the church building? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, you just did whatever. <laughs> I felt that way too. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's out of convenience, like I just mentioned, and like you were just mentioning. Anyone else? All right. Well, why using the home is important to fellowship because of the limitation inherent to public worship. Public worship is certainly necessary and it is very important. We have already seen that the acts of worship, as we spoke about some, some weeks ago, are designed to nurture fellowship. But there are limits to the degree of fellowship we can have during our public assemblies. One of those is our limits on time. You know how hard it is for to get us to sit for a long time? It is. Uh, if you ever stand in the back of the building or you you up at the pulpit 
I know, ladies, you're not out there to, watch, to, to see what I'm talking about, but um, it's hard for some people to, to sit and uh, for a long time. A couple of hours a week do not provide much opportunity to develop meaningful relationships between brethren. And I think that's why we've been trying hard here to, at least before worship starts, to actually go around and meet and greet one another. And we're going to try to do a better job out, out, actually out there in the forum, uh, foyer, meeting and greeting one another. It, it, it becomes hard, though, because, well, you, you are on the time crunch. We, we start at a certain time, and, and I'm not saying we end at a certain time, but there's a, a thought of when worship is ending or when it will be ending. Especially since the time we actually spend talking to one another is a few minutes, like I just said, before uh, and after the services. And that is why I want to bring these series of lessons to us because we're in, we shouldn't limit ourselves to just the building or the time that we're here in the building. And I think what I've seen here in the last few months, um, and maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm just seeing this for myself. Maybe it's been going on. But what I've seen is that service is over with and the pews are still kind of packed. People are still sitting down talking with one another. There are people out here in the foyer talking to one another. There are people in classrooms, hey, I need to have a talk with you. Or can we, can we start? I've been pulled to the side. Can I ask you this question? You know, let's, let's talk, talk with one another. I know the men, we've been trying to do a better job before we come in to the auditorium. Um, before worship starts, and we're meeting across the hall here, making sure we have everybody we need to uh, to um, working on the table or to to provide the services that we have um, within worship to actually sit and talk with one another, pray for one another, you know, ask for anybody need prayers, have one of our elders uh, pray for us and pray with us. Uh, I know that even though. It's a limited amount of time that we have when the elders and deacons meet together. There is some time that we're able to sit in there and, and we're able to, to laugh a little bit and, and kind of just get to know one, each other, uh, one another um, more. Um, some of us text one another back and forth. Maybe we see each other during, during the week. I know it's hard to sometimes get, get with one another, but I'll tell you just one little quick text or phone call to someone just to say hi or, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How's your father doing? How's your mother doing? How's your wife doing? How are you doing? How are the kids? I know it was a mention that someone was sick. Uh, let me send you a card. We've already talked about these things. Those are ways that we, those little things that we can do to help one another come together more just other than just on Sunday and on Wednesday night. It also limits, it limits our intimacy with one another. Sheer numbers prevent us from spending much time with everyone. You know, one of the things that Jennifer has talked about, the difference between the differences that we've had in our travels, uh, and some of you have experienced this as well, sometimes you're part of a large congregation, sometimes you're part of a smaller congregation, and both have their advantages and disadvantages. And one of the disadvantages that you have in a large congregation is that you just, you don't get to see and talk to everyone as much as you would want to, and you really want to do that. Uh, I know I'm not an elder, but I wonder how... (laughs) You all do it. Me just being a deacon trying to do it myself and, and trying to shepherd the flock. And I know it's, a, it's a, a big job. And then all of us trying to do it ourselves, trying to really get to know one another. And smaller congregations, you can have that a little bit better, but there tends to be more nepotism um, that 
that's there because you know you have families that are there that are set you know the last congregation we came from there were two families literally that were there they were, they were married into each other married to the family so they all knew each other and then there there was us they told us we made up half the congregation when we walked in because there were seven of us so um and then there were maybe one single person here one single person there and that about it but they already know each other and so I mean that's a good thing but it does limit to you, you as well. So anybody new that comes in, they may not, and that's this is for big and, and small congregations and medium-sized congregations, whatever size you want to give it. Sometimes when a new person comes in, maybe they don't feel like they fit in because what everybody else knows one another here. So let's do a better job if we're not doing it already individually. When we see somebody new, let's welcome them in. Let's find out about their background. Let's see what help they need. Maybe they don't know that this is the church of Christ. Maybe they just know that this is a church building and they came to it. They just felt like they needed to come today. Uh, I've heard people say those things. Let's do a little bit more investigation so we can actually help someone see God better. And by our examples. We either spend a few minutes with a select few or even a smaller amount of time with all. And that's our limits to uh, intimacy. Why using a home is important to fellowship also is using the homes is staying opportunity for fellowship. We have more time to visit, to talk, to study, to pray. Let me tell you, it's great to have people over to your house on Sunday after a worship service. But if you're planning on coming back at 6 o'clock, you're limited on your time. So I'm not saying not to do that, but you're going to be limited on your time. Or if you have them over after service on Sunday evening, you're still limited on your time because somebody in that house is going to go to work or have some appointment or something on Monday morning. Uh, I know me. I, I we, One of the questions that we were asked to ask one another um, during the Speed Fellowship, are you a night owl or a morning person? And I was like, well, I can hang, but it's 10 o'clock come. I, I need to be in the bed. I'm just, my body tells me that because I know how to get up in the morning. I, if I don't, I'm, I'm already dreading how much sleep I'm not getting. Um, but I, in the morning, let me get up and I'm, I'm good to go. But I will tell you, a great time to have someone at your house, Saturday or Friday night. I know when we were living in Okinawa, we had a lot of, <coughs> we have a lot of great mem memories of Okinawa and that's why I mention it so often, but we, we tried our best to try to have people to the house as much as we could because it was, a, even though Kadena, the air base there is pretty large, the, there was only one congregation of the Lord's body there. So um, it was really easy to say, hey, we're having an event at our house. A young man named Isaiah that some of you all have met that has been visiting here, his, his dad came with him a couple of times. Uh, he's in, in the Air Force as well, young, young, um, young airman. He's... Um, Jennifer and I have been knowing him since he was, I think, I want to say two years old. And um, he doesn't remember us at all. But uh, we have video of him at one of JJ's birthday parties. I think he turned three. And I remember looking at this video, still on VHS, there are so many people in this little small living room that we were at. Kids all on the floor, some adults on the floor, people outside, people in the kitchen, people just everywhere, just, just there just there. You know, they were waiting on food to be fixed, but they were just there. 
and it was a wonderful thing. I'm sure you've ever experienced that before, where you've been around other Christians, and they lift you up. And that's what that's what I'm talking about as in this fellowship <clears throat> that we have. You can be lifted up by someone praying with and for you, by just sitting there listening to you, by sitting there talking to you. Maybe even, like, sometimes uh, Shay and I, you know, randomly, Shay will send me a text, be like, I got a question. There you go. Let's, let's talk back and forth. Or we might talk on the phone or, or something like that. It's a wonderful thing to be around brothers and sisters in Christ, but more, most expect, uh, especially when they're in your home. The informal and personal atmosphere of the home allows for more intimacy, to become better acquainted, to proceed beyond more uh, mere formalities, to where we can better know and understand one another. Oftentimes we come, how you doing? I'm doing fine. You had a good week? Sure did. What about you? Yep. Do y'all have conversations like that? Because I do. Because sometimes <laughs> you don't rest. What kind of conversations do you have? Never mind. So we, <laughs> what kind of conversation? <laughs> it's, it's just sometimes it's so hard to go beyond anything but that if you don't know too much about one another. So make a concerted effort to get to know one another. I'll tell you a secret. I've been trying to get to know Ben Wallaford. He, I don't know if you know this, but I have been trying. Huh? Because well, I want to know more about him. I want to know more about him. And little by little, I've been learning more about him. You know he knows everything about taking a cruise. Everything. He even told me how lazy you get after a certain time, uh, after you've been on a cruise for so long. I've never taken, well, I said I've never taken a cruise. I've never taken one for pleasure. I've been on a navy, a naval ship. That was not pleasure, and it was a cruise, but I did not enjoy myself. Um, let's see. I learned some things about. I'm not gonna. I am embarrass anyone, but I, I've learned a whole lot about Russ, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I've, I've learned a lot about you. And was that? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I've learned a lot about you just by us just sitting and talking. You know, my brother Hickman up there that's controlling the booth. He's the one that's been trying to teach me to smile when I lead songs. Uh, and I've been trying hard. And so I was messing with him the other Sunday when he was leading songs. I made sure to smile at him when he was leading so that he would smile. Because he said that's what happens. Somebody smiles at you. Dora, Dora Teamer smiled at me. Or I don't know if she was smiling at me. She smiled when she was singing the one Sunday I was leading. And I, just, I couldn't help it but smile. And I was like, you know. And then I told her about it. I said, I need you to know what you did for me. Little things like that is going to help us get to know each other better. Uh, it should be easy to see the opportunities for meaningful fellowship, which can um, be increased through the use of the home. To encourage this idea further, turn over to 1 Peter 4.9. Uh, here are some suggestions for using the home to build fellowship. 1 Peter 4.9. We are commanded to practice hospitality among brethren. It says there, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. How much do we grumble against one another? You don't have to tell me, you just in your head. Because you're not going to tell me anyway. Everybody wants to be quiet. But 
I know we grumble against one another sometimes, don't we? You can tell me yes, no, yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We, we have to do better about that. We're people. We're no different than people outside of the church when it comes to being human. We, we have issues sometimes. We, have to, we, don't, we don't need to get over it. Because heaven is going to be so great with you there with me and me there with you. We need to start practicing that right here on earth. Certainly not all have the same ability to provide hospitality. Some may be able to have the entire congregation <coughs> over at one time. That would be y'all. Okay. Others may only be able to have a family or two. Yet others may, be, may best provide hospitality by taking people out to dinner. But to whatever degree we can, let us be fruitful in this area. First uh, Peter 4.10, again, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, I've, I've taught these lessons before, and I've had some college students and also some airmen who have said, I live in the dorms. I can't have people over. But you can cook, can't you? You, you got a crock pot? If you don't know how to use a crock pot, let me show you how to use one. Let me show you, give you some recipes. So now when we have a potluck at the church building, there you go. Here's you for being hospitable. And I made this, you know. Maybe you can learn how to make chili for my sister over here since she has award-winning chili that I've never tasted before. But, you know, my kids have said they enjoy it. They love it. And we can do things like that for one another. Take food to other folks or just visit. There's there's no reason. There's I know I've been talking about the home, but I'm not saying right now because to me it's cold outside. But there are plenty of parks around this city hey let's meet at the park let's go for a hike i mean that right there is a great thing let's get together and go for a hike let's go to i don't know is it thunderbird thunderbird falls and let's just hike up the hill it's only a couple miles or mile i think it's about a mile or so and and actually don't hike you're gonna hike but don't hike you know take a leisurely stroll just to walk and get to know one another. Take pictures together. Find out who has the same kind of hobby you have. Find out a hobby that somebody does that you don't know anything about and that you want to learn. If you ever want to learn how to change your tires over, John Teamer is the best person to teach you. I tell you that. I never, I never learned that growing up. And John taught me in one lesson <laughs> all four of my tires. He's very thorough about what he taught. You know, um, there are, there are other things that all of us have an experience in. Some of you all know how to quilt. I used to a long time ago. My great aunt had showed me. <clears throat> I'm not, not too good at it anymore, so maybe I can learn from you. Uh, maybe, I don't know, I'm just throwing things out there. We, we all have talents, at least one, that we can show someone else. Hey, I, I want to show you how to, let me show you how to do this. I know how to fish, but I don't know how to fish in Alaska. So you all know that now. Just I'm putting it out there. There we go. So I'm just saying the season is coming soon, sooner than we think, right? Um, I know how to fish in Florida. I know how to fish here. Even if we engage in hospitality only on a social level, it can help and it can help to increase levels of communication in which spiritual fellowship can occur later. So I want to say something about this social part because when when I've taught this many years before. 
fact, I remember teaching this, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no social media. Um, but now there, there's all these different platforms. And we could use those platforms, those medias, uh, to get to know one another better. But sometimes we often hide behind them to say what we want to say, but then when we see each other in person, we don't know how to talk to one another. But we haven't really shared any concrete information so that we can grow together socially. So I offer to you, if you're going to have a social media, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, anything else that's out there, you know, use it. Use it um, in the right way. Use it to better get to know folks, but don't use it as the only way that you communicate with one another. Because oftentimes, uh, on those social media platforms, it's actually just one-way communication. You put anything you want out there, but you don't ever say anything worthwhile, or you never really have any, any conversations with one another. I know, I know that when, when we first got Facebook, when we first got an account, it was so that we could stay in touch with our family members that were with who we were away from. Um, it's gotten so much bigger than that now. But consider using your home as a place for home Bible studies with new converts, ongoing studies with other Christians, periodic devotions such as singings, prayer meetings, etc. Remember the example of Aquila and Priscilla, who offered the use of their home for the work of the church wherever they live, Romans 16, 3-5, and 1 Corinthians 16, 19. Engage in visitation. For hospitality to work, it must be a two-way street. You can't expect that someone's going to always um, say, come to my house, and you do nothing. It's just you always coming over and eating up all our food. I mean, eating up all the food. I didn't say all our. Sorry, I didn't mean our. We must be willing to accept invitations by others and visit them. Sometimes we don't want to. I'm like, I don't want to go to somebody's house. I, I, I just can't. I, maybe maybe you may have a some type of social, I don't know what word it is, uh, handicap or I don't, don't want to be derogatory because I'm not trying to be, but maybe you have a hard time in social settings. And I, and I know those things, that is really real. Um, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're not going to judge you because you, you have that fear. In fact, I want to make you feel more comfortable around me. So... Let me learn about you so that I can understand what may hinder you from coming to my house, and maybe I can, I don't know, set something up where you feel comfortable. If you if you, if you have to be in the dark and in in, in sit in a chair where no light is shining on you, I will prepare a, a section in the house just for that. And if that means I'm talking to a dark corner, then that allows you to be a talker. I need to put a wall up or something. I will gladly do that because I, I want to get to know you uh, more. Um Sometimes hospitality is not practiced because people won't accept invitations. I know, I'll, I'll say that that some folks have been trying to invite my family for a while to their house. And at first it's just not wanting to go because I just felt, we just felt like this person in particular was just not a, a person we really wanted to be around. And finally we accepted it. And I'm so glad we did, because everything I thought was totally different. And I was able to address why I thought 
I didn't want to be around this person, and they didn't realize that they projected the negativity that was coming from them. I so appreciate that that we were able to to be with that person and, and in their house. We should make every effort to visit those who may have special needs, such as the sick. We've been we've been told over and over again our sister wants visitors, does she not? She got her cell phone and I, she likes to talk. Um, I know that because Jennifer has talked to her, but she talks about great things. And uh, I, I I know she wants visits there while she's in the hospital. Let's go and visit her. Let's go and visit everyone that that is especially asking for us to, but to also to visit because they need to see us. They need to be encouraged by us. Those new in the faith or otherwise new members of the congregation, we have quite a few new members from 2019 and now 2020 that still need all of our encouragement. We need to encourage our new babes in Christ. We shouldn't have just get them wet and then think, okay, they'll be fine. Um, we need to to wrap our arms around. We have a new brother in Christ, uh, Roman. We all should be doing our best to help continue to raise him up in, in Christ. We also need to visit those who are spiritually weak, that we know are spiritually weak, making ourselves available to be of service to those with, with such needs as defined as pure and unfiled religion. James one twenty seven read that last week. More could be said, but I hope it is evident in the expenditure Oh, excuse me, the, the, that expedient use of the home can greatly facilitate the sort of fellowship Christians and, and Christ intends for his church. A fellowship that is rich and primarily a spiritual one, but one facilitated through practical means like hospitality and visitation. The final, final point to stimulate our thinking on these things about going beyond the walls of the church building and, and, and to to strengthen our fellowship with one another is that I like to ask you, we may be a friendly congregation, but are we a hospitable congregation? I'm not saying we're not. I'm asking you to think about that. I'm the church. You are also. So are we a hospital? We might be friendly, but are we hospitable? And if we aren't, if I am not individually, I need to work on that. The distinction should be evident, evident, which is friendly describes what it takes, what takes place inside the church building, but hospitable describes what goes on outside of, uh, of these walls. The Lord has blessed all of us to various degrees with our homes. Let us be wise stewards and use them to glorify God and the enrichment of our life together. Next week, we will begin to, uh, we will continue to apply what we've learned in this theme of fellowship, our Christian Christian fellowship, our lives together, by asking the question, and it may seem obvious what the answer is, but maybe it's not, but are we our brother's keeper? Are we our sister's keeper? It, there's a lot that goes into being in fellowship with one another in Christ, and we have responsibilities to one another. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we're grateful to you that you allowed us to be here tonight during this midweek Bible study. We ask that you help us now as we go into uh, the, the short time of devotion, that you are pleased with what we have to offer you. And help us, Lord God, to grow in strength, grow grow in spiritually in strength, that is, Lord. And that you help us to always look to see what you have to say through your word. So that we know how to walk this, this path of life uh, as Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming to class tonight.